listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 110 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our returning guest is New York-based graphic designer and illustrator known for his work as one of the founding members of the groundbreaking comics anthology Secret Identities and his own graphic t-shirt line under his Epic Props brand. He recently successfully crowdfunded his creator-owned graphic novel, The Monkey King, to be, le- to be released later this year. Some highlights of his previous project partners include the NBPA, the Jeremy Lin Foundation, the World Journal, the New York Asian Film Festival, Aeropostale, and the Smithsonian Museum. In his spare time, he invests in the New York-based Taiwanese beef noodle shop, Ho Foods, and is still trying to make his own baiju. Jerry Ma, welcome back to Cinemental. What's up, guys? <laughs> Good to have you no, back. Good. No time to split the atom while you're doing all that <laughs> stuff, huh? Yeah. yeah i know jerry jerry does nothing you know yeah. well the best part was was following him on instagram because it's like uh you know you know I, i'd see jerry at, at mostly i'd run into jerry in person at uh comic book conventions and in between them i would i would i would live my my travel life vicariously through jerry as following him on instagram it was hysterical because it's like all of a sudden he would be in he would be in Taiwan for a month and then all of a sudden he'd be in Japan and then he'd be like somewhere else in, in the far East. And then, and then uh, it, something else would happen and he'd be like somewhere and you'd be like, oh, when, when are you back? And he's like, Oh, I'm going to be here for a month. And it's like, who goes away for a month? I'm like, what the fuck? But uh, don't you but, uh, sleep that. And he would, po- and he would post all these, and all of his pictures are of him eating and it's fucking brutal. Cause it all looks amazing. I was like, oh, look what we had tonight. And nine pictures of all these food dishes they ate. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Fucking love that stuff. So yeah, but I'm I'll be very happy when you when you can get back to doing that again, Jerry, because uh I love I love the uh the pictures of the of the native food when you when you go go over there. So but uh so let's uh let's jump right in and uh suffer from consumption. Uh Lay? Yep, go to Lay. Lay has one thing. So I had planned to watch a ton after my daughter went on vacation. And then uh, body said, nope, we're going to throw you a curveball or a curve stone. Curve so, stone. yeah. Um, so the one thing I watched is this movie. The Fall? Have you ever anyone seen this? Directed by Tarsum, the guy who did The Cell. Oh, Tarsim. Yeah. Tarsim. No, I've not seen it. Okay, then I, I, I really shouldn't talk about it, but an absolute, absolute must see, must see for everybody. Well, I would believe, I, I would, be, I would believe that visually, no matter what. I'm, I mean, I'm, just, I'm more curious on what the it is. What the what's the 
was can you tell me anything about the, the story that kind of okay so basically okay a guy walks down a hill what wait what'd you say sorry a guy you? walks down a hill yeah yeah a, a man and he slips walks, and then he uh, falls into the bar answers. and starts talking to a fish <laughs> and i'd no, be like oh yeah, that no. does sound interesting you're like uh that is literally the worst movie i've ever heard of in my life <laughs> or tim burton's big fish i i man dude i I, okay, let me tell you the story of how I got to watch this real quick. A guy who I play hockey with, it's his, this is his favorite movie of all time. Okay. And he's like, told, told, he's like, been on me to watch it forever. He's like, gotta watch it, gotta watch it, gotta watch it. So last week, the day before I went to the hospital, the, he shows up at hockey with the movie. And the best thing is he doesn't like give, lend this movie to anybody. I guess it's very hard to find on Blu-ray. He's got his own library card in it for people he gives it to. Oh, well, that's and you have to like find it out, which is just classic in itself. That's funny. But he said, you know, he's like, he, he told me a little, just a tiny bit about it, but he said it's best to go into it only knowing like the, like basically what's, what, what anyone would read on the, you know what? Never mind. That's how I'll tell you what it's, what it's about. Cause I don't want to, I, I don't want to give away like too much and, and ruin it. Uh, it, so the movie was filmed over a period of four years in 18 different countries. Wow. In, uh, so the basic plot in 1920s Los Angeles, a five-year-old girl hospitalized from a fall strikes up an unlikely friendship with uh, someone named Roy. And Roy's played by Lee Pace, which is another reason. Uh, that, that That is usually enough for me right there, to be honest. But go ahead. And then... And then to pass the time, he tells this epic story. And oh, then cool. Uh, but that's all you need to know. It's just the way it's told, the way it's shot, the way it's um, with the way the narrative is woven. It's just at times it's simple and then suddenly it dives complex, then goes back to simple. It's it's just one of those, this guy just knew exactly what he wanted to do, had the had the tools to make this. And did it. And I like, if you take his movie, the, the cell, I like the cell. It's, it's amazing visually. And it's a decent story. I don't think it's great, but it's, it's good. But this is, he made the cell and whatever else to get to this so he can make this. That's, that's how it feels to me. Like it's a, a personal project that he just wanted to right. unleash on the world. And he, and he did, but it, you guys, every, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. It's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and okay, it, and that's uh, that's literally all I saw. Uh, I didn't uh, wasn't able to watch anything else. But it's interesting. It. One of the one of the screenwriters is Dan Gilroy, who wrote uh, Dan Gilroy. He uh, he's Tony Gilroy's brother. Uh, oh, and he wrote uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, Kong Skull Island, Nightcrawler, Born Legacy, Free Jack. Free Jack was his first one as Ch- and Chasers. And Chasers was his second, but uh, yeah, Born Legacy, yeah, wow. Nightcrawler, Real Steel. Oh, he did Night. Oh, he directed Nightcrawler. Wow. Okay. Well, that's the next movie I'm going to watch. <laughs> oh, Nightcrawler. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, Nightcrawler is really interesting. Okay, cool. It's just um, uh, it's it. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in that movie is is proves he can act. It's. It well, the thing is, is it's like it's such a non-acting role 
that it's it's amazing the subtleties in which he which he lays in to give you the performance that he does because you don't when you I mean when you basically his character comes across as this guy who just doesn't seem like he's you know he just seems like a completely regular guy right but but then when you when you get around to like the meat of the story you realize that there's all this other shit going on and you're just like fuck and then when you think back on it it's one of those things that when you look back on the movie afterwards you're just like wow okay yeah that's cool. it's it's a classic case of like non acting to me for me when i look at it it's like a classic case of like someone walking into a role and they can just you know not that I necessarily think he's like this, but he's so natural at it. It's like watching it's like watching Robert Redford or or Brad or Brad Pitt in almost anything. You just believe him automatically when he's there. Yeah, you yeah, you don't even question it. Nice. Right. And there's and it's just it's a but it's a crazy, it's a it's a it's so funny because I've always heard people describe that movie as like all these different kinds of things. And when I finally watched it, I finally understood why, because it has elements of all these different kinds of movies but it's not really any of them. It's got, it's got bits and pieces of all these different film genres, but it's, it's not necessarily, it's really hard to pin down as like calling it like, Oh, it's a drama. Oh, it's a thriller. Oh, it's a, it's a horror movie. Oh, it's this, it's that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to really to, to tag. But, um, but I, 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 I really enjoyed it, but, yeah, but I, I, will, I will definitely track down. I'll track down this Tarsim flick. So. Yeah, no, you, you guys. Yeah. I, I really like to hear your take on it, but I think it's a safe bet. Let's put it that way. Well, and he was, uh, you know, and he was a great, uh, you know, Tarsim's the guy behind the Losing My Religion video from REM. Yeah. That yeah, was like, that's one like of my the, favorite videos of all time, too. Yeah, yeah, that was like where he became like most famous for, I guess. With next to nothing. I mean, that video uses just lighting and it's four guys in a room images yeah. and it, it, it really sells it. On the, oh, he directed uh, he directed Immortals as well. That's funny. That's right. Forgot about that. Oh, he did Selfless. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right. Um, well, cool. I will dig. I will. And obviously the obviously the movies for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the only other thing. All right, uh, Hassan. What do you got? I knew there was something I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, movies. Well, you freaked me out when you were asking me on Monday about the movies for next week's show. And I'm like, do you know that this week's show yeah. is a different movie? Well, yeah, because I was having <laughs> such a hard time. And I have so much to do this weekend. Yeah. And next Monday. And then I have to go back up to Rockland again on Wednesday. So I just wanted to kind of get everything squared sure. away yeah. Yeah. before the end of the week. And I just I couldn't I nothing I could do was was getting me uh uh uh, was making that movie available to me. I just couldn't find it. Are you I just still, couldn't still, get my hands on. It. No, still, still. Okay. Yeah. All right. Like I said, let me know when you want to watch it, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll text you over my my stuff for Shutter, and you can. Yeah, maybe maybe Friday or Saturday. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I won't, uh, I, I won't be using Shutter on Friday or Saturday. So. Oh. Okay. Are you going out? You doing something? No, I just being know I won't because again? I I know what I'm in the middle of and what we're going to be watching probably. And I mean, listen. I can watch one of the other 12,000 movies I have to watch. I don't need to watch, you know. I want you to run out, Steve. I, I know. Want you to... I know. There's one on I saw on Shutter that I really want to watch. <laughs> yeah, and it's your fault I can't see it. That's right. Um I didn't not, it, I was I didn't get up to any of the exploits that I got up to last week, 
um, mainly because of the way last week ended with that insanity with my uh, my my banking situation. But um, oh yeah, so I watched uh, I watched an episode of uh, uh, the Good Fight and then the episode of uh, uh, the Bad Batch. I went into the weekend. On the, over the weekend, I watched uh, CB Strike. Have you seen any of those? I've talked about that before because I don't. I think I've cycled through them uh, at least once before at, at the end of last year. You talked about them, and then Deirdre actually picked up the first book in the series to read. Oh wow! Yeah, I've never read the books. I know they are they are J.K. Rowling books um, under a pseudonym. Oh, I, mean, I, I was we were at the bookstore uh, last weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Not this. I'm sorry. Not this last weekend. The weekend before, for the first time in like a year and a half. And I mean, we, I mean, we went a little crazy. Just, act, to be honest, it, yeah, you just hauled like, off. We <laughs> bought like 30 books just because it's like we haven't bought books in person in like forever. Plus, she was plus her mom just retired, so she was looking to put together like a gift basket of books for her mom to read, which uh, which she'll eventually get back and read herself. But um, uh yeah so uh but i noticed that there was like i i i honestly mm-hmm. thought there was only like two or three but she's got like no, five there's like five or six of these out yeah there's already seen. five there's about four or five seasons of the show oh that are geez. out already all right which are pretty good you know is it british like, yeah okay yeah tom burke is in it um forget the i forget his partner's name and they're pretty good it's you know it's it's like luther to an extent where it just makes london look like this like fucking horrendous place where there's like these heinous butcherings they're not murders they're just like people are getting butchered left and right and it really isn't that bad according to everyone who lives in london it's like yeah you know what this is all fantasy it's like most other large cities it really (laughs) just depends where you're at yeah or you know what when i go to london doesn't really look butchery (laughs) no (laughs) no so i want and and they're short seasons they're like three four episode seasons you know I think the oh, okay. most uh, the 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 longest season I think is the fourth season, which is actually four episodes. But so there, is, it was, but is each episode like a little movie? Like it's like an hour and a half. Um, each season's like a movie. So they oh. each each three episodes is like is them dealing with it's one story, a, a, a case, you know, oh, or some, okay. someone walks into the, you know, this is typical format. Hey, you know, someone stole my gorilla, you know, and then right. they. <laughs> And then when they, they, you know, and then and then wackiness ensues and trying to figure. It. And usually there's some, some kind of twist to it, like you know the person who asked that asked about the gorilla is the person who killed the gorilla, or you know whatever. I'm not, and that's not it in any way a giveaway of any of the stars, but it's just something. It's always something like that that you know there's things are not always as they seem kind of situation. And then you know, and what else did I do? I don't, I don't even remember if I watched any documentaries. Like I was really good about it the week before because I wrote everything down. Yeah. But if I don't write them down, I'm not going to remember them. Like moments after I've seen them. Yeah. Um. So and then I watched the two movies. I also watched uh, uh, the 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 art of self defense. I watched that last night with um, Jesse Eisenberg. And it's uh, that. that's that's a that's a crazy movie. It's a crazy movie. Like the, the only way I could describe it is a crazy movie. The art of I think it's the art of self-defense. And it's uh it's it's just it's one of these really it's almost like um it's almost like uh Nightcrawler, where it's this really slow, like deliberately slow-paced, subdued movie where things happen really quietly at a real fever you know like at a real uh 
even keel until something happens, you know, like Eisenberg's like, I uh, comes home. He's realizes the dog has no food. He apologizes to his dog. He goes walking out to go get food, you know, and then some guy comes by on a motorcycle and asks him, Hey, do you have a gun? And Eisenberg's like, no. And then the motorcycle drives on. So then Jesse Eisenberg buys the dog food and he comes out and he gets, he gets the shit kicked out of him by a gang of motorcycle people. Like it's, it's literally, it moves at that kind of clip. Like it's, it's slow. It's slow. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. It's slow again. It's slow again. It's just really weird, but it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I, I got issues with it, but they're so, they're so, um, they're so minuscule. They're so innocuous that it's not even worth saying anything to anybody until they've seen it. You know, like if you've seen it, then you'd understand one or two of my issues. It's called the art of self-defense. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I watched, uh, I watched this weird, uh, movie called the paper tigers. I don't know why, uh, shouldn't have. And then I watched the train to Busan again and I shouldn't have. And, uh, but for different reasons, because yes. now I'm afraid to open my front door. Um, <laughs> and so, and that's, and I'm sure there's more to it than that. But that's basically my. Oh, you usually come up, come up with stuff later. And be like, hey, oh, yeah, something I'll, else I forgot. Yeah, I'll shout it out in the <laughs> middle right. of yours. <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, by the way, I also yeah. watched. I'm polite. Um, <laughs> uh, so I guess I guess we've suffered enough. Now, one quipper. There's just one quip. It's a very, very indie film. Just relax, Jerry. We'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for Jerry's uh, feature pick, he picked uh, he picked a film that's somewhat close to his heart. A uh, the Paper Tigers. One, two, three. No more challenges. Kung Fu without honor. It's just fighting. Dad. Yeah, buddy. Do you know any Kung Fu? I'm retired. You didn't hear? Safe was dead. Something's not right. There was no heart attack. Do you think the poison fingers is real? Yup, Gao Sao. Why you don't Ching Shao? Just say it in English. Just say it in English, English. man. Time catches up to some people. Like you, the great three tigers. We all swore together that we would defend the weak. Out there is a very, very bad man. I swear to be loyal to my brothers. To the very day I die. If you guys looking for a uh, you know, fourth uh, tiger, I take karate. Let me know. From 2020, directed by Tran Kwok Bao, with a running time of 108 minutes, three formal martial arts prodigies in the midst of middle age discover their former teacher was murdered rather than dying by natural causes and set out to discover the truth about what happened. Jerry, other than your, your personal connection, which we'll get to, uh, what, what did you like about Paper Tigers? Well, I, I like that it was about middle-aged martial artists. <laughs> I like that they were a little out of shape. Well, not little. They were completely out of shape. Um, I, you know, I, I appreciate because martial art films in general 
it's so hard to make something new in the martial arts, you know, genre nowadays. Um, and when I first heard about the film, you know, a, a lot of my friends are part of the, 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 the team that made the film and I was kind of scared. I'm like, man, you know, just making a bad martial arts film really isn't such a good idea anymore, you know? Um, that being said, I thought they took a really fresh approach to it. Uh, I thought the, the lead actor, I, I, sorry, I, I forget his name, but I thought his timing was great. Yeah, I'm not 100% uh, sure how you pronounce his last name. It's U-Y. It's Wee. Oh, Wee. oh it's Wee. Alan, so Al, Alan Wee. Yeah, and I, I thought his timing was great, you know, uh, because I, I do think it's kind of hard to show that you know how to fight, but you're past your prime. And to be a little funny about it, I think it's very difficult, you know, because you, you try have to you have to try to be a badass nowadays in, in these type of films. So I, I was I went into it. I hate to say this, uh, Michael, Bao, Alan, I apologize to you guys. When I saw the film, I expected it to kind of be pretty bad, but when I after I watched it, I really thought it was pretty damn good, as a matter of fact. And I, I really uh, respect what they did with that film, especially. I mean, they kickstarted the film. You know, they didn't have much of a budget. And I thought, I mean, like I said, I was just impressed with it overall. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, when I started doing the, digging a little bit into the background of this movie and, and kind of discovered the backstory and the, the fact that this guy wrote this story in the film treatment for this in 2011. Uh, and he had been pitching this all over Hollywood for years. Um, the Apparently, some of the backstory is that, uh, you know, he had studios interest in the story but they wanted the lead character to be Bruce Willis. You know, they wanted, uh, you know, and, and, you know, with for a $4 million bite. And, you know, they also wanted a role written for Nicolas Cage. And I'm like, well, what would this thing have turned into? You know, it's like, you might as well throw Mel Gibson in there too. Make him the set, you know, make him uh, the Sifu. Um, like basically you know. the same story, but with Nicolas Cage and Mel Gibson that, I mean, I mean, uh, right. Bruce Willis, that's, you could have made Nicolas Cage the, you know, the, the, the guy that he always, who's always got his ass kicked when they were younger, the Carter character. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like every character would have been like Carter. Like yeah. all of them would have been like <laughs> yeah, all would have been these terrible. absurd, you know, like renditions of what they think, you know, the Chinese noble, uh, uh, mysticism is all yeah. about they were the director, the director and the producers were, uh, were so set on keeping this, an Asian American main character uh, and, you know, a cast of a supporting cast of color that they declined the offer and, and walked away from Hollywood and ended up, ended up like very Jerry said, going to Kickstarter uh, and raising uh, $124,000 for it and to make this movie. And I'm like, I, I found this out after I watched it and I'm like, that's not a $124,000 movie. I'm like, that was, that's amazing looking. I mean, that looked like a straight, a regular studio production as far as I was concerned. I mean, yeah, there's not really anybody in it who you recognize. Uh, I guess a couple like the guy who played Carter has been in a few other things. I didn't, I didn't recognize him off the top of my, from, you know, from anything, but, you know, and some of the other actors have been in other stuff, uh, but I just, they weren't in the circles that I travel in enough to notice them. But I, I, I didn't get the sense ever from this movie. Uh, from any of the acting, you know, even the, any of the supporting characters, the main characters, anybody that this was like some, some fly by night, you know, 
three three guys in a in a in a bag of magic dust uh you know production this is i mean it's a great looking film they did a really great job with it i think it really shows you that and i think part of that is where we are at technologically i think the ability for people to have access to the tools to make film today is so much easier than it was 15 or 10 years ago that i think that you can go out and you know for you know, you can get the equipment you need to film a movie. And once you run it through the proper, you know, machinery or, or apps or software, it's going to look just like it's going to look just like it was shot on film. You know, and I think you can pull that off regardless of how you actually shoot it. And I think it's it's definitely more about the skill of the filmmaker. And I, this guy's clearly got skill. I mean, there's no question. I, and this, I mean, if you want to talk about the script, I thought the script was listen, the script is fine. It's good. It's, there's a lot of really touching moments in it. I thought, um, I thought the, I thought the, the funniest thing about the movie is when you really get into it, it's really not about the story that they're telling. It's more about, it's more, it's more about, you know, people getting older and having to deal with shit that's still around from when they were kids, you know, and it's like the, 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 you know, how, you know, listen, we're, no one's getting any younger is what it comes down to. I really liked this. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, the end fight leaves a little bit desired. It was pretty, pretty quick, pretty straightforward. But, you know, they shot that whole sequence in one night on a rooftop in Seattle that they were they were actually uh, timed out of for like four. They lost five, five, four or five hours of nighttime shooting time because of a lightning storm. So they couldn't shoot on the rooftop. So they had to wait for the storm to pass safely. So that they then go back and, and shoot, but it was all shot in one night on a rooftop in Seattle, which I thought was, a, which, you know, which was amazing. And apparently one of the reasons they chose Seattle was its connection to, uh, was connection to Bruce Lee and his residency there. So uh, Latham, what do what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, going, going into it, honestly, my first thought was I really don't want to watch another martial arts movie. Uh, we just watched a bunch I don't really like martial arts movies. Right. Um, so started watching it, instantly noticed the, the three leads were amazingly charismatic for being unknown people. I mean, I don't know what else they've been in, if anything, but uh, very charismatic. Um, and every time you thought something was going to happen that would be considered cliche, it never did including in a lot, a lot of the fight scenes early on. And I agree. And, and, and so that kept it, that kept the story ahead of me, which I thought was great. Um, and I don't know if, um, I don't know if Jerry picked these two movies because of another common theme. Uh, but there was one going on with, uh, you know, father, daughter, or I'm sorry, father, father, child. And I thought making that an important point of the movie, almost more so than the fighting was integral to, uh, to making it feel believable. What was the budget on this movie? Uh, 124,000. I mean, it, you know, it, it's hard to pull off, um, a movie to make it seem like a real true feature film. And they, they just, you know, there were a lot of locations in this, which is, that's where a lot of your budget goes to. 
And I thought that helped make it like seem more real and, and bigger than, than the film actually was. I, I, when it, when it was over, I, you know, I, I liked it. I, I was surprised. I thought I was not going to take to it or, you know, care about the martial arts part of it at all. But like you said, that's barely what this, you know, th th this movie's about a lot more than that. And I, you can tell the, the writer and director, like that was his intent here was to not make a typical martial arts film. And I think that's why I liked it more, which was good. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I would recommend it to people to watch almost as like uh, as a drama. Um, I know yeah. there's supposed to be funny parts in it. You know, the I, I laughed a couple of times. I didn't laugh a lot, but the comedy parts seemed almost just natural talk at times, which is yeah. hard to pull off as well. So, um, I, you know, I I liked it a lot, and I think um, I thought I what's the name of the character who played the the new um, the 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 guy who they picked on when they were young, and then Carter. Uh, Carter, yeah, Carter. he his character is just was off balance the whole movie. You kept thinking he might end up being just the pure bad guy. And then he wasn't <laughs> right. And that, that was cool too. Um, but he kept digging at him. But then at the end, you know, by the time the story was over, he wasn't. And he, you know, it was, I don't well, know. He, he, he took some hellacious beatings in the beginning. He so did. His, his, his animosity was very, <laughs> was very apparent. <laughs> You know? Yeah, and, and that's true. <laughs> and that's what's cool about the characters, too, is they were, you know, at, at times they were, you know, what what's the side story with that? Where they're kind of being bullies to him, right? I mean. Yeah, you it, don't know. You don't. I mean, you, you don't, don't know, know if he if he was a bully, too, or what, but he got, I mean, he got destroyed by them early in life. And yeah, I, I just feel like he was constantly challenging them because I just he, felt he was, like he was but, constantly in a position to be the, trying to be the top guy. Maybe that maybe it was that simple or whatever. It just there was more. De My point is there was more depth to him yeah. and every character in the movie, every character. Um, and that and I, I, I just think the root of the movie is the charisma of the three leads. I think they're all just really just the way they look, the way they were shot, their lines. Everything seemed natural. That that's how that's why this movie works is, is those three guys. So I liked it. The. uh yeah, the the just the natural. This is the kind of film that I feel like that if you went in, and if you, without giving someone the final, kind of the final product, but just sort of like, I feel like if this script stayed accurate to what was written on the on the written page, I feel like this is a movie that you would go in and pitch to to Hollywood, and they would just be like, "Well, what the fuck happens." This is just like, I, I don't why Why isn't there more fighting? Yeah. Shouldn't there, shouldn't there be more fighting? Yeah. That's, you know? that's how it would be impossible to, to sell. Yeah. You have I, to, it's an independent film. I mean, it's an independent film. You can't, I can't believe there was interest in this alone by how much fighting there was in it, you know? I yeah. mean, but that's why I liked it. I think this movie would do extremely well in film festivals around the independent circuit. Maybe it did. I don't know. Oh, actually, it came out last year, Jerry. It ju it just came out uh, maybe two months it ago. It just went on VOD in like, yeah. like early June, I think. Okay, but they were done with it last year, or they were supposed to release it last year, but not because of the pandemic. 
right? Correct. So, so, so it debuted a few months ago in, in a few film festivals, and it did very well. Yeah, it must have. They, it must have. It had like a, a premiere at theaters uh, domestically, and it, it shockingly did much better. It hung in there with all the big movies, you know. I'm sure uh, it outgrossed its budget easily. Yeah, I mean, like it it did much better than you'd expect, and yeah, it felt great because I, I really. I wasn't sure how people were going to take to it. You know, uh, even myself, I, I wasn't sure about it when I first heard of it, you know, and I mean, it, like I said, I just, it was a different type of martial arts film. And I think that alone is very difficult to do nowadays, you know? Oh um, yeah. 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 There's some, sure. there are, you know, having like, you know, we did karate kid last week, Jerry, and I, I had never seen karate kid. So I'm this, I, what? I know, <laughs> I know we've been down that road. Um, uh, so <laughs> I like, I'm the last guy on earth who did who hasn't seen karate kid. So now it's done. Now they can tie up, they can put a bow on it now. Um, and I feel like, yeah, yeah. Well, do I, do I really, um, yeah, at least the second one. Okay. Um, and I feel like in some ways there's a little similarity in this, as we discussed last week about the fact that for a movie called the karate kid, there's very little karate in it. You know, there's very little fighting in it. And for a movie that's a about point. that's, that's ostensibly about these three guys who were these, these martial arts prodigies who come back to avenge their, their, their Sifu. Uh, and there's, you know, there's, you know, there, yeah, there's, there's some fights in it, but there's, there's none of these like, big long action sequences which involve you know moving through multiple rooms and sets and stages and stuff yeah and, and obviously but you know that's just it you didn't need it because the script is so strong everywhere else that having these little bits of of fighting throughout is more than enough to carry you through to the next bit so i mean actually the bad guy in karate kid 2 when they're in tokyo he is he makes a cameo he's a waiter that's right. That's right. He's the waiter. That's right. I, I oh, saw that. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> it all comes together. Yes, it does. Yeah. So I see. I see a a somewhat uh, a frowny face on Hassan. So Hassan, what what did you think of, of Paper Tigers? Somewhat less than we did. Uh, the the sequence where they were in the alleyway. And the, the kid comes out and he runs and they try to chase him and they and they just fall down because they're so tired. And oh, yeah. Music, <laughs> the music stops. That's great. Yeah. Oh, not my turn to talk. Stop doing that. <laughs> Stop doing that. I actually hurt myself laughing at that sequence. That's that. <laughs> I actually fell. I fell off my sofa while watching that. Like, that's just. <laughs> Um, it's so funny because he runs out of camera and then the camera back. That's what I'm saying. And, it's and just, he's on the ground. <laughs> I'm like, that that was just that was just so brilliantly done, you know? Like yeah. there, there was not a, there was no setup to that joke. It's just it just became a joke. Um it just became and uh what's his name? Danny. Like Alan uh, Alan We uh, like he should I've seen him before. He's not a complete unknown. I've seen yeah, him I in felt other like things. He seemed familiar, but I couldn't place yeah. him. But I don't know from where, but he, that guy needs to be working much more. His comedic timing Great. is, yeah, is, is timing excellent. Is so yeah. Um, oh, he was on Hellstrom. I don't know what that is, but yeah. Uh, 
the Hulu Marvel TV show, Hellstrom. You watched it. You watched half of it. Anyway, never mind. Go ahead. Hellstrom? No. Yeah. But Damon Hellstrom, the, the, with the, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Never mind. Okay. Uh, there's only thing, there's only one thing I didn't like, which is that, um, the you're the kid the kid who played Jim looked nothing like Michael Shannon Jenkins when he grew up. Oh when yeah. it was I'm like, wait a minute, one of those guys was black? <laughs> that, was, that was that was the that was my biggest pitfall. Was like where did he come from? You know, like wait, he's one of the three tigers? I I, I didn't see that before because the the kid was just so you know, he was uh he was his features were so nondescript. And Michael Jenkins is, you know, has yes. very sharp features. So, um, and he's darker. He's way darker. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, wait a got, minute. Got that was, but that was, yeah, that was my only, that was my only trip uh, in the, in the film. Uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good film. I thought that uh, Danny's character was nice and, and sort of uh, mildly slippery, you know, like not overly done as a, as a, as a morally ambiguous person, like in the beginning or, you know, morally compromised, more interested in work than being a dad, you know, a little underhanded lying to the mother, you know, but I mean, it was done in a reasonable manner. It was done in, in, in a fashion that, that it was like, you know, you can come back from that if you do try. Um, And then the sequence where he caught him fighting and he said, you got to talk to your mom, you got to honor your mom, you know? And so then he, he, he ends up getting caught, in the lie that he told before about uh, what magic land? What, what was the yes, generic magic land? Magic, magic land. land. Yeah. Um, that was really wonderful, you know. And then, mom, um, you know, unfortunately, mom, moms are the heavies, you know, in stories like this where she's like the authoritative <laughs> one. So she's there's there's very little uh, redeeming uh, moments for her because she's just got to be the one to crack the whip all the time. But that's just the the nature of the role. Uh, I think she did her part well. I, all of them. All of it. Look, the other the other thing about it is like if you want to compare it to the Karate Kid, the karate in this in this film is really well done, it's really coordinated well and yeah. dynamic and exciting and fast. As opposed to watching the Karate Kid, where it's like, wow, that's how do you come on, right? Like well, Karate Kid. That's I mean, in fairness, the Karate Kid. I think part of the charm is clearly Ralph Macho doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Right, but I mean, even the scene. <laughs> Even the scene where Miyagi beats up the the, the Cobra Kai guys, that's like it, I remember watching it it's as a kid. Eight going, seconds. It's like an eight yeah, second fight it, scene. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It just it's a it's it's not dynamic. You know, that's my point. And um, I remember watching it when I was a kid. And I'm like, he just kicked their asses. You know, like it was like it looked like a blowout. But it, you know, watching it maybe thirty years later, it's like wow, this. Those guys could have run away. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it was a, a complete one-sided <laughs> slaughter right there. Um, and this this fight was great. Now, what had happened to me while watching this is I said I'm going to watch this movie, and I had a crazy morning where I didn't sleep for most of the night. And then we recorded the other show this morning, so uh, I sat down to watch this and fell asleep. And I woke up like during the last fight. So I watched the fight and I said, this fight is really good, but I have no idea what the, con- what, what oh, any of the emotional context or the, yeah. or the emotional beats were. So I had to go back, start the movie again and watch it. And I fell asleep again. It has nothing to do with the movie. It's just how tired I was. So I had to watch it a third time. The third time I watched it, 
I was able to put all those pieces together because I had seen bits and bobs all over the place. It all really congealed for me. I don't know if it was because of the way I watched it. It all really tightened up for me and it all, all the, the, the foreshadowing and the, and the beat, I was able to get it technically on my first watch because I had seen so many pieces of it sporadically. And I'm like, oh, that that scene ties into this thing at the end. And that's, you know, and I because when I fell asleep and woke up and they, they literally broke that guy's back and left him on the roof. I'm like, well, that's kind of, you know, that kind of changes the tone of the film. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of fucked up. But then when, I, you know, when you see, oh, the guy's a fucking assassin. That's why, you know, oh. like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he killed the master. You know, like, yeah, break his back and then throw him off the roof if you want to. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Um, I thought it was going to be something different. I didn't. I, um, unlike Latham, I don't mind the uh, 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 martial arts movies. I, I actually kind of like them. Um, I thought it was going to be something different. I did not know it was going to be a comedy. I never heard of it, of course. Uh, and the the most important thing for me with a comedy, any kind of comedy, is that the jokes land. And I I would say most of the jokes, if not all of them, landed. Yeah. Um. My my favorite joke is when uh, I, I guess uh, I guess Carter was speaking Mandarin every now and then, and they were like, "What do you say? What do you say?" Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You they know, just kept like, yeah. it's just English. Come just on. say it in English, on, too, you know. Yeah. So what I what as an Asian American, what I really liked about the film was parts like that where Carter and you, uh, for everyone watching this, listening to this right now. Carter's a white guy, and he's talking Chinese to Chinese guys that don't understand him. Right? Yeah. Because like myself. I don't speak much Chinese, you know, so it's kind of nice to finally truly see, you know, people that I like that. Those are guys like I hang out with, you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like we're Americans, but yes, I understand what we look like on the outside, but you know, a lot of us don't speak Chinese or Korean or Japanese or whatever it is that, you know, from wherever we're from. Yeah. And, and it was just kind of nice that finally someone kind of it's know, a, it's a kind of visualized it it's without you know without getting too deep because it's nothing it's not really a negative it's not really a, a problem but it's a kind of a microaggression where it's like you're kind of otherized where the person who's talking to you outside of whatever culture you're in is going to try to is going to try to get a road in through your culture <laughs> And they, they're going to just completely misunderstand exactly what they're trying to do to get to you. In the meantime, you're, you know, you grew up in, in Brooklyn, you know, and you, you know, and you grew up watching, you know, the Power Rangers and stuff like that. And you have no idea what the guy's talking about. It happens to me quite a, quite a bit. Like, so I, like I trying to speak that broken right Spanish to anybody Hispanic, you know, or see exactly exactly it's just like, like hola yeah, amigo yeah it's like, it's like just, really just say hello dude yeah just, just shut I grew up, up two streets hello. away from you really <laughs> Come on. like the, the the fight in the pool i thought was great because the first fight you're you're kind of waiting for uh you know eight fists eight whatever yeah, his eight, name eight hands. out of his shell <laughs> yeah eight hands. at some point he's gonna win a fight you know? yeah <laughs> right <laughs> he just keep getting flattened out and i thought it was great you know uh, i really getting this like the younger kids and this is just natural but like they're obviously able to move faster and quicker yeah. and sharper yeah. than the older guys and i love that that was just very clear in that fight scene that yeah these guys are just sharper super and, athletic acrobatic yeah. the whole thing you know and i yeah. and i love that i loved when they were sitting there and he went through the explanation of how you know how you know it's like no i wasn't faster i got there first Right. And, I was saying because, and they said, what's the difference be, of it? Be, you know, like, because I knew where it was 
that it was going to, I knew where it was coming. I knew where it was going to be before, as it was happening. So I could counteract it because I knew where it was going to happen. Right. And I just, I, and I, and I, I love the way they visualized that too. That scene in the beginning when they put Carter's head through the drywall was like, <laughs> even I was like, wow. That, how do you recover from that? Like, and they well, that, got that on camera. So, like, if you know, they filmed that. You yeah. know, Carter has had to watch that his whole life. Like, the next right, 20 right. years Right, right. That's like YouTube life. videos, right. Yeah exactly. yeah, exactly. So, it's just, it was just, like, that is a, that's like a, that's that's a Mortal Kombat, like, specialty kill. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a full fatality <laughs> right there. That is not, you know, that was horrible. Signature move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I did like when you saw that the, 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 the the three tigers when you saw them in their prime they did look like the guys you would not mess with you know they 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 did display fighting skills that would that you know in a local in a local area you know would have made them legendary right you know so i i did enjoy that i think i think all the beats were 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 well done i think all three acts were were uh solid um all the characters were likable, which is really hard to do. If they spent that little bit of money on it and they got that child actor who knew how to resonate that that level of emotionality in what he was doing, that's the find of the film because that is, you yeah. know, that's heartbreaking when he's like when Danny's trying to find his, you know, his to summon his uh his eight hands power, you know, his his uh his meditative <laughs> power at the end. And he sees like he sees his friends and he sees his master, then he sees his wife. So it kind of it kind of tips the scale that he's still got a thing for his wife. Right. And then he sees his son, you know, who's just and he's he's drawing strength from all that. That that emotional beat worked on me. You know, I was like, no, I'm in, I'm in. Kick yeah. that guy's ass. And then they <laughs> when I saw it the third time and they broke his back, I was cheering in, as opposed to the first time. I was like, Man, that's kind of harsh. Like you yeah. can't break a kid's back, you know. What happened was I fell asleep when they went into the pool to fight those kids. So when I woke up again, I associated the, the assassin with those kids that they were fighting oh, earlier. Oh, oh. So I'm like, you just broke a kid's back. That's this, this movie is insane. And then, you know, so I put it in yeah. the proper context. It all works. It's a great movie. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I didn't I didn't pick up on that point when I was watching it. But Latham is a, is is totally correct. It's like watching this movie. There are there are points during the film when I was watching it where I was like, I had without, without realizing I, I, I did have an expectation of where that scene was going to kind of, going to kind of end up or where it was going to land. And in most cases, it didn't go that way. It didn't every go single one, every single one. And the alley was one of the first ones when they try and run out of the alley. Oh, well, that's, just, that's why I'm like, okay, you got me there. You're not going to get me again. And they did multiple times. So, I, yeah, it's just it's it was really it's a really well well made, well put together film, and it's uh, it's a class. It's got a classic, you know, Asian cinema tenet of the students whose teacher was murdered, but you don't even yeah. realize you're watching a classic, like yes. a, a you know, like a classic yeah. movie until halfway through when they kind of dis- yeah. discover. Wait a minute, he was killed. Yeah, I thought he smoked yeah. like ten packs a day. Like that's why he died. You know, it's they, they, they overlaid this story on a kung fu story that's been done a hundred times. Yeah, and they can they hit it really well. Yeah. They hit it really really well. Do, uh, so Gary, do you want to you want to give your uh, you want to give your buddy a a, sh- a quick shout out? Oh for, uh, yeah, Michael Velasquez. Uh, he's one of my closer friends. He's one of the producers of the film. 
um, Alan Duong and, and Bao Tran, those guys, first of all, they helped me with my Kickstarter. They gave me a ton of advice on oh, okay. how to like run a successful Kickstarter. They, they were amazing. And Michael, I've just known him for a really long time. Are they local uh, here to New York? Uh, well, actually, Michael's out in uh, California. Okay. In, in, uh, and uh, Bao's actually from Seattle. So oh, well, okay. That was handy. And, and, um, yeah. So those guys are from Seattle, but Michael's from LA. Um, you know, I, I know they've been working so hard on this for like a, a long time. Um, man, like I said, they just, it, it's just amazing to see. I, I, I kind of wish everyone could get the, like kind of the inside scoop and see how much work goes into it. And, you know, as an indie comic creator, you just have to appreciate when you can, you know, fuck all the, the, the big budget stuff and fuck all those big companies. Like sometimes just do it yourself, you know, and just, just do it and let's see how it goes. You know, yeah, it's kind of just nice to see, like, you know, you can still, you don't need all that glitz and glam and all that money and all that to do something good. And it should be inspirational to most uh, independent creators of bare minimum, you know, uh, like as, as cliche and corny as I'm about to sound, but like anything is actually possible. If, as long as you just put the time in. Right. I mean, um, and we've we've said on this podcast before, it's like, listen, a good movie is a good movie. It doesn't matter when it was shot, where it was shot, you know, what time period it comes from. A good movie is a good movie and it'll always be a good movie. You know, and I, and I think this movie, uh, you know, you know, it, it's like you go I mean, you go back to El Mariachi and Robert Rodriguez, you know, shooting shooting his movie down in Mexico for seven thousand uh, dollars on weekends. And, you know, and him, him doing literally everything for the film himself. You know, short of, uh, you know, I mean, he did all his camera. He did, you know, I mean, if anybody knows that story, obviously, but it's, it's, you know, $7,000 and, and a few weeks in Mexico and 7,000 edits later, and he's got El Mariachi. And if you've never seen El Mariachi, holy shit, go, go, go find it now and watch it. I mean, you'll, you'll realize how much like the movie Desperado it is. Like Desperado is like, well, this is the movie I would have made if I had a few million dollars. And Antonio Banderas available, but mm-hmm. El Mariachi is amazing, and I and I would put this movie right alongside it. I think that this movie is in its own way, not that it's a you know Mexican you know gangster movie, but it's yeah. I'm just saying that it's a you know in the fact that it's an indie film that is so well done on a shoestring budget or Blair Witch Project, you know, uh, you know any any of these films that have come along that were just you know a, a good project is a good project at the end of the day. You know, if you if you if you believe in it, like, you know, like you said, if you believe in it and you can just just figure out a way to do it and get it done. It's it's yeah, it's tough. It's a lot of work. But, you know, and it's like, hey, listen, like, you know, like, you know, like guys have said for decades in Hollywood, you know, I've you've seen multiple quotes from actors over the years and just be and producers who are just like it's a it's a miracle every time any kind of feature film ever gets made. Because in most yeah. cases, if you're not if you're not the Transformers movies or the Harry Potter movies or Star Wars, you know, and if you have foregone conclusions going into these projects, you know, getting a movie into the hands of a guy or your script into the hands of someone who can then take it somewhere and, and put it together as a thing. And it's got to go through 100 people before anyone's, you know, even going to say yes or any kind of any kind of movement on it, you know, and trying sure. to get trying to get 100 people to agree on something. Fuck. What are the odds? Not going to work. You know? 
yeah. like you said, you, you you go out and you 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 find friends and you you just do it yourself. I've I, I I'm I'm with you as far as definitely when it comes to I mean Latham knows this. He's he's made several features himself. Uh, you know, uh, we've all done comics work ourselves. Uh, you know, it's all you know. It's it's so funny once you get into that side of things. The the actual, you know, I think that the biggest part of the biggest roadblock to people always is the actual production side of things. People always think that that's the hardest thing to get through. It's like, how do I, you know, I don't know how to do that. I can draw, I can write, I can write and draw. I can make my comic art and I, I can have all my artboards there, but how do, how do I turn that into a comic book? You know, and that's, that, that's what people think is like the big, the big, the big roadblock. It's like, how do I, how do I, where do I, how do I find a printer? How do I get books made? How do I, how do, what, how do I get the art? Do they just deliver the art to them and they make it into a book? How does that work? You know, and it, it, again, there's a learning curve to everything, but there are now, and I think more nowadays than there was year, a few years ago, uh, there are less and less roadblocks to that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, when Steven Soderbergh shoots an entire feature film on his iPhone as an experiment, and releases it into theaters you know i think that opened up a lot of people's eyes because they were just like fuck he filmed this whole thing with an iphone are you kidding me not a not a not a digital red camera and not a panavision camera which costs a hundred thousand dollars to rent no he just filmed it on his goddamn phone you know and i think that's that's the more interesting kind of stuff that will hopefully lead to more projects like this one, honestly. Because I think there's, I think you think about the blacklist, not the TV show, but the actual blacklist and all of the unpublished scripts that go, that are written by people. I Listen, I have friends who have stacks of scripts that they've written over the years. No one's ever seen them. No one's ever, you know, they may have pitched them to some people, but you know, they've never been, you know, read by people other than their friends or whatever, but they keep writing them, you know? You know, one day, one day he's going to have a hit on their hands and then they're going to be like, you got anything else? And they're going to be like, yep, I sure <laughs> yes, do. I do. <laughs> Here you go. That's Which what happened are- with uh, Monaghan with um, he was going to do a he was going to do a movie with Ridley Scott um, Tripoli. about Tripoli. Yeah. And then he, he he said, do you have anything else? Because that, that fell through and he goes, I got this script about the Crusades. I've been sitting in my shelf, you know. And, and, yep. and that's how Kingdom of Heaven happened. Yeah. You know, your mileage varies on whether or not that's a great movie or not. I particularly sure. think it's fantastic, but you, you do have to be ready when, yeah. when the big guy asks you if you have anything lying around. Very true. Very true. But uh, great flick. Uh, great. Very happy with the, with the opportunity to see it. Like I said, this is something I honestly, Jerry, I, I don't know that I ever would have heard of this otherwise. Yeah, right. It just you know, there's a. This is like one of those. Kickstarted. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's. How but even this, doing? this isn't. I don't usually go into the film stuff on Kickstarter. It's just not my. I don't back a lot of film stuff on Kickstarter. Mine stuff is usually always. Right. I mean, how would comics, you know? So yeah. uh, I just don't. I don't usually travel in those other avenues on Kickstarter. Every once in a while, one will come along, like uh, you know, a horror documentary or some shit like that. But I usually see that. I yes, see news about that in my in my Twitter feed. That's how I find out about stuff. So unless Jerry would have tweeted about this a year or two years ago, I wouldn't, you know, I would never have any idea. Wouldn't have come up on your radar. Yeah, Jerry, we could have been in this movie. Thanks. (laughs) 
I would glad, gladly been thrown off a building to be in this film. <laughs> Depends on how high the building. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Just put another mattress on there. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't care, but knock this what did, stone out of me. It would have been fine. What did Danny <laughs> say? What if we lose? He goes, then you just, just make sure you land on me. Yeah, I'll go <laughs> first. I'll, I'll go this. first. Yeah. I'll break your fall. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Great line. Yep. Great line. Good stuff. So that's Paper Tigers. All right. Martini or... Yeah, there isn't much martinis. This guy's uh, it's oh, yeah, yeah, Paper Tigers. This guy's first movie. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite film of him is Paper Tigers. I agree. <laughs> I think we're all on board. Thanks, pal. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This is, this is uh, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm already thinking, like, I hope I get to come back on, like, next time. <laughs> oh, definitely. We'll have you back on. We did, we did Karate Kid and Way of the Dragon last week, so... <laughs> Good luck on your boat to Seoul. <laughs> yeah, that that's the sequel. Uh, <laughs> e-bike to yeah, <laughs> yeah. e-bike to Tokyo. <laughs> All, right. All right, buddy. Jerry, have, have a good guys. night. Thank you, you. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Take right, care, Jerry. Jerry. Uh, so uh, thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Conger III, myself and Jerry Ma, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and man with a kung fu legacy lost to a middle-aged paunch, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.